Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Good afternoon boys, how you doing? Good mate. Excellent. That's not a very good answer. Cat right? got we're your tongue, Thompson. <laughs> oh, yeah, we we oh, we haven't polite. got Chris. Chris is uh, with his dad, who's going through some chemo session, and he couldn't be here, and so we decided to have uh, our guest. But it looks like he's uh, making more appearances than Chris, and that is <laughs> and that is Stephen Thompson uh, today. So welcome, welcome Stephen Thompson. Thank you. What is that shirt, mate? That's that's new wise colours. That's a nice shirt. Stripes, pink and stripes. Mate, I was hoping to be wearing a New South Wales jersey today, but after that horrible performance last night, so you had to get your Queensland one back out and start supporting them. Oh, Jesus Christ! It was a long night, Uh, long sad night. Listen, you get what you deserve. They say. Well, they didn't deserve. Well, they did deserve. They played horrible. There you go. So stop it, mate. New South Wales. Don't take it on our friend Stephen. He may not come back. So let, let's start. Let's start with a, uh, a wine. I think that's going to be yours. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right, Stephen. So, you so I looked at the label and thought, what am I doing today? And talk I saw into the, the words colour blue and thought, yeah, why not? A Margaret River Chardonnay, yeah. bit of 2019 hullabaloo. So the oh, truth is he looked straight past the label to the price tag which said $9.80. I didn't even see the price tag. Yeah. I just saw oh, the label yeah, and thought, yeah, I'm yeah. coming with Cam, yeah. there'll be a bit of hullabaloo there and we'll be right. Well, he, listen, you've, he knows. You've I, kept one thing consistent He with knows, Chris, but mate. he has to be that wine. As a guest, <laughs> you have to be that wine or you're punished. <laughs> Don't, no, seriously, it's all right. <laughs> no, I heard how it is here. That's why I had to get like, you know, a limo ride down here. <laughs> this is going to challenge the alcohol-free... One that I bought. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing can tell me. Did you buy alcohol free? I did. I I stopped drinking for a day a few months ago. Oh, Oh, yes, for a day. (laughs) I didn't touch a glass. Let's put it this way. After my first sip. I'm surprised you were allowed back, really. All right. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Great to have you back. Cheers, boys. Great to be back. Oh, how good. Actually, it's not bad. Come on, mate. Listen, mate, he's a guest. Be nice, mate. Be nice. Oh, no, it's all right. <laughs> he's not coming back. <laughs> oh, well, Chris will be there then. It's all right. Oh, listen, this is honestly the reason I knew as soon as I opened it because I have bought it before and it's usually payday's Monday, so it's usually the last thing on a Sunday when the bank account's a bit low. I've never bought it before, so. <laughs> You're two for 20 at Liquorland, mate. So Evans State, <laughs> what is it? Evans and Tate. Yeah, and it's hula, hula blue, peaches Hullabaloo. and cream, two thousand nineteen Margaret River Chardonnay. We'll do. Can you get this a lot? You can just re- remember. No, I'm reading remember. the label. Oh, you're reading Maybe the label. you should. <laughs> oh well, listen, it's not bad. Anyway, the, one of the first thing I wanted to discuss today was about you, Stephen, because um, you run four businesses from. Different locations. I mean, they're pretty far. Like two are over hundred k's away from you. Yep. How do you do that? You know, how do you control the four teams? Probably the first is a good partner. I've got very good partners, but I've got a very good management team as well that set in that. So I definitely couldn't do it on my own. And I spent a number of years trying. I mean, we've had the office in Port Macquarie for 
22 or 23 years now. Yeah. And I spent probably the first 10 of those trying to do it on my own and it just didn't work. So I think having a great management team and excellent partners is the first part. Mm. The second part is the technology is so easy these days. I mean, I don't list and sell in the Port Macquarie or Foster offices. So Port's four and a half hours from home and Foster's probably about three and three quarter hours. Through technology and I guess our Wisebury online system, we were already doing FaceTime before Zoom started, but we've used Zoom because it's slightly better platform to use. So just those sort of things make it a lot easier. I mean, as I, I don't list and sell in those offices, I, I, if I get something up there, I refer it to someone in the team to look after. The rest is just looking after people. Right. And, and I guess finances, which is the other part of what we do. But it was very hard before I had the right people set into the business to do that. And now we've got that. And that hasn't happened in necessarily the last 10 years. It, it's probably really come to fruition in the last three or four years. And they've been to that level now where they can take on their own responsibility. And I think that's probably the, the thing that we learnt maybe three years ago was accountability. I then started making people be more accountable, not, not because I wanted to make them do things, but it let them take the reins and have that responsibility themselves to do what they needed to do. And we have management meetings every week for all of our officers. Um, and I profess I'm not an expert at this either. I mean, uh, your video this morning, Thomas, clearly said that like four tyres in a car, you must have four salespeople in an office. And Richmond and Penrith don't have four salespeople. Port Macquarie has five salespeople, so we, and, and just put it sixth on. So it's it's well and truly got the tyres on the ground. Foster's just reached three people now, so it's on its way. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been something that we've had the system there for a while, but the success has really started to come in the last few years. Yeah. So That's what um, <clears throat> I can tell by your wine, the reason you did it by yourself for 10 years, because you're a cheap ass and you didn't want to hire staff. <laughs> But what was the click after 10 years? Yeah, I was going to ask why would you do it by yourself for 10 years, but now I know why he did it by himself for 10 years. $10 wine. <laughs> what made the change after 10 years? That because I think you... just growing up and realising that you can't keep trying to do something that's not working. Right. Um, and was I it a trust thing though? Or was yeah, it a, look, probably a little bit it? of it was trust, yeah. I, I think a bit of it was finding the, the right people as well. So a, a lot of it was trust. A lot of it was me not being prepared to let go. There's still things now that I do that I probably shouldn't because I, I, I don't want to let go, you know. I'm a bit of a control freak. And over the years, the control freak's chilled out slightly, but I don't think he ever totally disappears. So Salespeople, um, mate, I don't think it ever does. No, that's right. So, um, But no, it's just, I think, finding the right people. And, I mean, I had, in, in the, especially the Port Macquarie office, I actually had a, a couple of different partners in that office and... They worked quite well while things were working well and then, you know, the, one of the partners got old enough that they retired and the other partner probably felt a bit left out on their own because he was one of sort of three initially and down to one of two and which meant he was the man on the spot. So he sort of picked a different career that path that he'd like to go down and I saw him a couple of months ago and he's happy doing what he's doing. So then I started, you know, using the team to help me. Bruce was a very big part of running Port Macquarie in those days. And then through the Wisery group, Louise came along. 
And that's when I thought, all right, so we did a lot of work together um, and a lot of meetings and to just see if we were going to be a, a good fit that together. That's going to be my next question. Obviously, doing it yourself for 10 years and having the trust issues and the control issues, how did you pick the people that you allowed into the business? I, I did. Or did I, they I, pick you? I guess they might have picked me as well, but I, I probably went through a series of different interviews with maybe up to you know three or four different lots of people and just worked out who... <coughs> Who I gelled with, who had my same culture and mindset, and sorry that my wine's killing you there, Cam. Um, but yes, yeah, just who I thought you know I could see and grow and and make, and make the business prosper. And then ladder down the track, um, we bought Christine and Diane, who uh, Christine's been our receptionist for over I think nearly thirteen years now. Um, Diane's our, our senior property manager, and they also bought some shares into the company as well. Because they were instrumental parts of our business. They weren't the scaffold, they were the foundation. And we felt that their input was valuable and, and, and they have. I mean, as I say, they all have a different role in the two offices up north now. Do their, um, I suppose, choose your words carefully so no one gets into trouble, but did their, their work ethic or did they go to another level once they had a piece of the pie? I think initially no. Like a lot of young leaders or new leaders, it was the holiday. Well, I own a bit of a business here. And I, they're not going to mind me saying that because they know that happened. And I think that's when probably back to Singapore, I started to have to bring more accountability in. Okay. Which was really, if someone's given, I mean, they're happy. They're given a list of tasks to do every week that they need to report on. They happily went and did it the very next week. It was my fault because I hadn't given them anything necessary a role so it was like wow you're part of management let's sit around we'll have a meeting we'll talk about nothing much for an hour and that's what used to happen as soon as we brought accountability in there was a structure there were set things they're the same things every week and it went from there so that i think again me changing then allowed others to step up and just do what they needed to do it's an interesting Phenomenon, phenomenon, whatever that word is. And you've only had one. Yeah, oh, mate, it's so poison, far. trust me. I always tell my guys to treat my business as if it's their business and we, they don't have the shares in it in that sense, but we're, we're always telling people that because as a salesperson, you are essentially your own business. You, you need to run it as one um, to be successful. So you would think that someone having a, an actual stake in the business would enhance that, not the other way around initially, but you found it sort of in reverse. I think we need to look at maybe some of our young leaders who totally own their whole business and look what they do for the first six to 12 oh, months. Oh, no, I understand. I'm saying... And, and I think that's, that's it's the same that. I think there's that, hey, I own a business, wow, well, let's go. And then the reality sets in that, all right, now we need to find money to start paying <laughs> people's wages. You soon work out that you're paying yourself. And, and go from there. So... Um, you know, and, and that's it. But I say it's it, from that north, north sort of all set up. We, we're really growing as a team, and probably it's of of all my teams, it's probably the tightest. And I think that's probably more credit to Louise than myself because she's there. She's there to mother them. She's there to look after them, and I'm there to sort of look back. And I, you know, I go to a sales meeting, which I really don't need to go to the sales meeting. I mean, lose more than capable of handling the sales meeting, but I want to see the team. I want to have that hour and a half with them every week if I'm not making that individual call. And that's the other thing that I do do is constantly looking. I mean, we were joking around when Nessie, our new little puppy, was in the office that I've taught her already when she comes to the office. She walks around and visits every person in the office of a morning just to see how they're going. 
And she does it. She seriously goes from person to person. And I thought, managers only have to look at what the puppy does. And that's how you can test the temperature of the team, even when you're not in their office or not in their suburb at the time. So it's just using really all of the things that we've been taught in foundation to manage people, work people. We try to treat everyone that joins our team as part of our family. Um, and even the ones who are further away might not see me as often as the ones who I'm working with every day. But when I'm up there, we'll go out for drinks, we'll go and have dinner, I'll sort of... Again, the temperature test is, all right, who are we going to have dinner? We went up there for a family holiday but still went out three nights with different members of the team so that we could spend some time with them. And our kids know that. I mean, they went up and set dinner and here's Bruce and Chris one night and Lou another night and it's just how the team. So it's just looking at people all the time. I mean, Richmond and Penrith do not have any guys work for them. I totally work with girls. Port Macquarie and Foster... We have five guys out of... So out of 26 staff, we only have five guys in the offices. So there's still a big percentage of females and it's working with those ladies and knowing how to do that really sort of makes that big difference. Most people will say that, you know, it's so hard to work with partners. And I've trained offices where I can see partners, they're either killing each other or they're forever counting the beans. I've got more than you, you've got more than me and all these things. I, I find you maybe overly generous with your partners i've seen you from day one giving them way 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 more of your time way way more of what the entitlement should be this is a question i have going to that side uh, do you do you find that it's hard to hold people accountable to what they're doing because they they got what they're entitled to and and even more before they earn their dues possibly but again i created that so i have to deal with what I created I don't think holding them accountable really actually actually think that was really easy I mean we really made that decision back in Singapore yeah and and even necessarily that helped me for you know Richmond and Penrith because whilst I've only got um, one partner there I've got a very good management team in Jessica our, our senior property manager and then you know the love of my life life Lisa <laughs> so you know we've still got the four of us at Richmond and then the four of us for Port and Foster so if I created that generosity too soon I had to deal with it but as soon as I turned around and said let's start being accountable this is what we need to do and I didn't say now we have to be accountable I just said every week I need this this and this done it just happened so I think they just saw the benefits of to the team and to themselves of doing that. And I'd, I'd much rather do it. I mean, if I'm given a good structure and I know what to do every week as a manager or a leader, way better than sitting there saying, well, what did you achieve for this week as a leader? The structure was there. It suddenly worked. So sometimes I'd, I, I, I can't help not being generous. I won't even say sometimes I don't. I just do it. But I'm probably more careful these days who... Except for Cam, because I'd bought him a bad wine. He no, says, that's, no, that's, not, that's not like... No, I'm, uh, he's <laughs> wrong, mate. It's not like of generosity. It's that, you know, we've got more practice than you. We still stuff up that wine last week. But you've got no knowledge about wine, that's all. Yep. <laughs> you've got knowledge think. about price tags, though. If in doubt, spend more money. <laughs> but, um, but I'm I sitting here listening to him talk about all his generosity. And I've got this hullabaloo staring at me. Sorry, mate. But it's like, oh, I, I think generosity is a way of life you know so uh, i think it's very hard to take back and sometimes have i been burned 
not not by my management team, but have I been burned by people in the past because of my generosity? Yes. Would I have done anything different? Probably not. I would still do it. I would still be there for people. And that's just the way I'm built. And I, you know, whilst I've tried over the years not to, then I find that I'm not being me by doing that. And I think, what's the point of not being mm. me? That's just me. You know, it's, if you can afford to do it and it, it works 98% of the time, then keep doing it. I, I, I mean, you have four businesses and you still find the time to have quality of life with the love of your life, with the uh, the new mascot, the uh, the puppy. <laughs> I mean, with traveling here and there, with... I mean, you just went to your son's wedding and and did all the things that you need to be doing. It, it's just crazy for me that you find the time to do all these things. And, and yet, some people they say, "Well, we've got two businesses, man. I'm I'm running out of my feet. I, I I don't I don't even know where where to look." Uh, but I think that's having people to help you do it. I don't think I actually have the quality of life that I really want to have yet. I mean, I, I think Lisa deserves probably a lot more than I can give her time-wise at the moment because I don't have four tyres on the ground in salespeople at Richmond or Penrith. Uh, I'm basically five people short from what I need to have that set up. So that means I have to work on a Saturday. I, I have to go to other appointments. Which, So it, whilst it might seem I have that quality of life and we try to make the best we can out of it, we still have a responsibility to our staff and our team and our officers and you know, anyone else that we have to pay a repayment to or whatever it might be, we have that. So you have to do, and you taught me that line, you do what you have to do first before you do what you want to do. So I'm very conscious of that all the time. Yes, I'd love to do this, but I need to do this before I can do that. So I think that's, if you live a life that way, and and, and I have failed in marriages before, so I've learned some good lessons out of that as well, that you know, necessarily my generosity probably got me into trouble because you give everything. But again, I wouldn't change that. But I didn't give the time, you know. I Even with poor Andrew growing up, I, I, I don't think I necessarily gave him as, as much time as I could and I can't take those years back. But he's 26 and married now and as a dad, I try to give him that time back because I think when he was younger, even though I must say I did coach, you know, baseball teams and soccer teams and so I was probably there in a different way, but, you know, if I was working four days of the week now instead of six, I might think differently that I've got that quality of life, but we try to fit in where we care. You know, we can have a family holiday, do what we need to do at Port Macquarie or Foster, fit that in, have a bit of a night away and just try to make, you know, make the best out of everything we can. Lately, with COVID and everything that's happened, you, you sent quite a few of your people home to work from home, right? Uh, how did you find getting them back into the office? Because now that we're a bit more back to normal, if I may say. Yep. First of all, I was a bit slow on moving because being an eternal optimist, I thought this wasn't going to affect us. It'll be okay. It's just other people that'll have that issue. So I sat back and watched for a little while, which then probably gave me that hindsight to think, all right, this is what I need to do. So first we picked the people who had children to go out of the office because I knew very soon they were going to close schools down. And they didn't want to go. That was the hardest thing. Don't worry about them coming back. It's the fact they didn't want to go. But <laughs> Mine ran out the door, mate. Really? Oh, no, I had a battle, especially, you know, Jessica and <laughs> Caitlin. From home, we're on. Not, they did not want to leave the office. They did not. But in answer to Thomas's question, six they stayed out until three or four weeks. It's probably three weeks ago I think they've been back, yeah, Jessica right. and Caitlin. Um, and they didn't want to come back. 
They actually believe they're more productive at home. It's helped them with their home life. And it's been a very hard decision because we couldn't really accommodate, I think, everything that they would like. And I, I said to them, you know, if any requests put down and we're happy to look at them, they called it their wish list. And at this stage, I haven't really been able to fulfil all of their wish list because we had to realise that we had to also get back to business as usual. And whilst, you know, some people can work from home if you're in accounts or you're the bookkeeper or something like that, someone who needs to pick up a set of keys or go and grab a file, it's not quite as... I, I think it'll certainly change our office plans in the future that will become fileless, so to speak, paperless, yeah. <coughs> so that it would be easier for them to do that. But we've realised that there's a hub. We have an office for a reason, Jessica especially, because she is senior property manager, so she's got sort of four or five staff under her. And it wasn't easy for her not being in the office for the, all that time to manage that staff. Yeah. Um, but we picked it up. Between Lisa and I, we picked it up and we just carried the team and got them through and Jessica worked with them when she could and how she could and now she's back. You can almost feel, not that I haven't don't have that daily interaction with the team, but I can just feel that little bit of pressure off to think she's here to do that now. So, um, no, they weren't necessarily happy. But if we move north, for the people I had working remotely, couldn't wait to get back into the office. Yeah. Um, in fact, they jumped the gun a little bit and came back probably before we started to see that second bit of a wave hit Sydney. And I'm thinking we probably shouldn't have done that, which is why I kept Richmond out longer. Mm. Um, but they were happy, they were back, and you know, yeah. Port Macquarie hasn't had a case yet, so we've been okay. The problem with a lot of people is that their wish list often happens to become their must-have. And that's what they need to understand is that wish list is exactly what it, say, it means, it's wish. Yep. And a leader still has to look at the battleground, the office, and what's happening and make decisions. And sometimes those decisions will go against. My next question is, the team that is willing to come back to the office, there's only two things, either they're unhappy at home or happy at work than at home, versus the team that didn't want to come back because they're happy at home than at work. So does it mean that once at our office doesn't have the, the culture of team and, and, and kind of belonging and have fun, where the other one has more fun than at home? I, I don't know, I'm just asking. I think the big thing that really came out of it was family. Um, if you talk to the three... Uh, sorry, four out of five that I had out all had families. So they've picked up some of the most valuable time and they've and don't think any of them are ungrateful at all because they've written letters and emails and yes. made comments to me about how grateful they are for the time that was given to them and that they will never probably get some of those times back again and they're just so grateful. So they were all happy. Some of them with the younger children, though, have got used to having them. The kids are like, oh, mum... You're not going to be home when we get home now. What are we going to do? You know, one of the people didn't have any children and I think just felt remotely from the office. And, you know, I, I think some of our single staff, because they don't have partners at home, rely on that friendship and the mateship of the office to come in. And so getting back to the office gave them that feeling of belonging. So I, I don't think it's that some, you know, don't worry about it or anything like that. I think it's just... They were different. Now they're back. They're suddenly like, oh, this is what it was like to be back. Oh, I remember this. And, you know, we had a Melbourne Cup lunch the other day and 
they're suddenly realising what they probably missed from not being with the team. So I think they're all very torn. Um, they'd love to be at home with their kids if they could, but I think they miss out on the team events. And, gee, do we still do that? Oh, I didn't realise, you know. So, again, we're, we're talking about all the people that, that were ladies. So none of the, the men had any interest of working remotely. Yep. Um, only one of our guys in Port Macquarie now does. He, he so, decided... So they were running away from home. <laughs> <laughs> so we say... The, the, what, the guys are running away from home. <laughs> Except for one, he's decided he enjoyed working from home enough that he, he's now... He actually started working from home sort of after COVID, but he's just thought, well, you know what? I think I'm happy to work part-time. I work, earn a part-time wage and, and go from there. And good luck if that's what makes him happy. We gave all our team the option when we sort of returned to full-time work of flexible arrangements are available if you'd like. I'm not going to force someone to work five days if they're happy working an eight-day fortnight. And I, as only one took that offer up. So, I've got another question, unless you have one first, mate. Do you know, of all the years I've known you, I have probably seen you only once, but hardly only seen, seen you... Me, only seen me once. No, once, <laughs> once doing this, which okay. is... I've seen you only lose your cool very, very rarely. And yet I know there's so, so much to deal with, so many challenges you had to deal with, so, so many stressful situations to handle. What is it that you do? Because you seem to just keep your cool no matter what, up, down. It's always uh, moderate people, you know? Um, Boring. No, I think... So. And, and it's something I've had to work on for a long time is sarcasm. He's got a scream room at home, I reckon. <laughs> scream room? He walks into his room <laughs> and just screams. No, because I think I've, I, I worked out that yelling and carrying on doesn't really get me anywhere. Bullshit. Um, okay. Well, it gets Cam somewhere, but it doesn't get yeah, Stephen well, anywhere. Yeah, it, it does get Cam somewhere. I mean, he's, uh, most, of, most of his staff stay about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I've worked it out. You haven't got to scream. It's good for payroll tax. <laughs> That's where you go out and scream because you end up out there at home. But, um, no, I just realised, I think it's a wasted energy yelling and carrying on, really. Yeah. And the odd time I have done it, I have looked back and thought, that really didn't win me any points. I mean, the staff sort of look at you and think, loser, um, why did they do that? So unless there's a really, really good reason, and even then, I'm sure there's a really good way to handle it. Yeah. So, But no, you, the, the truth of that answer is that I don't like confrontation. So... If I can find a way to sort it out without coming into a confrontational situation, I will. Having said that, I will stand up. I remember many years ago and this guy was carrying on in our office and as much as I don't like confrontation, I walked up to this dude who's bigger than Cam in our office and said, you stop talking to my girls like that or I'll throw you out of the office. And he started swearing at them again and I have no idea how in the world because I'm not that bigger guy, picked this dude up, opened the door and threw him on to the street. <laughs> and everyone who was still work, working with me then still remembers that. I don't know how I did it. It's like I think people can pick cars up when they need to. I could pick this big dude up and throw him out because he disrespected my team. So that's the only time I've probably had confrontation. But I can do it if I need to. But I try to avoid confrontation. So sometimes sarcasm comes in. And, look, and I'll go back to something that will lead back to this in a minute, but the one good thing we've got with our management team is that there's gloves are off whenever we want to. Yeah. I did something the other day that was just full-on sarcasm and I was having a discussion with a salesperson that ended up in front of our team and that salesperson tends to give as good as they get. 
and probably likes the attention. So they were sort of goading me, and I kept on going. And on Tuesday in our management meeting, one of my managers said in our meeting, I just feel that yesterday was not a good representation of you. Mm-hmm. And I was happy because it's gl- gloves off. We can't run an organisation if we don't if we sit there hiding or worrying what we're going to say to each other. And that hasn't always been the way. We had to bring that in a number of years ago. But it worked. And it was true. I didn't have an argument at all about that. I knew I was wrong. I could feel myself being wrong. I could feel myself getting pulled down this rabbit hole and, and doing the wrong thing. But the ego was was taken, right? It was so it much was fun at the time, isn't it? Oh, look, so much fun. And, you know, like everyone, and I'm sure everyone was thinking, my God, but, you know, and someone said, if you'd done that to me, I would have gone home and cried. And I said, yeah, but look at the person. They sat round thinking, all right, is round two coming? Let's have another go. And I shouldn't have done it. And and I knew it at the time, but it was good that one of my managers could actually have the courage to stand up and go, that was wrong. You shouldn't have done it. And that leads back to sometimes – things do get better of me and if the sarcasm comes out. So maybe yelling and losing it is better than being sarcastic. Right. I haven't worked that answer out yet. I don't yell. I think on a sarcasm competition, you, we might go neck and neck. But <laughs> Are you I, sarcastic as oh, well? Oh. It's, it's pretty bad. That, it's uh, horrible. Listen, mate, you brought the best wine and have a look at <laughs> what he had to say about your wine. It's horrible. No, I was talking about the wine, not the sarcasm. Oh, I thought your sarcasm was horrible. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't yell. I don't think I've ever yelled at staff in the office. I'm very sarcastic. But some, is, I, I think that could be worse. Yeah, hundred percent. You don't have to destroy people with screams. You, you can destroy people with like words that are totally disgusting. And Cam, is a specialist. Well, at least if you, at least if you're yelling at his language with fifty thousand words, Cam has invented like sarcasm. Generally, if you're yelling, at least you're probably saying. What you want to say directly, directly, directly. Sarcasm. You got to. People have got to try and read into it. So there's too much cloak and dagger. I think sometimes. So if you're sarcastic, do you want to avoid conflict too? Then no, God no. So why do you use sarcasm? Oh, a lot of the time I think I'm being funny, but um, a lot of the time I think it's a good way of making a point without yelling and screaming. And 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 having a good joke at the same time. I I agree with that. Being funny. I see it. I and it wasn't until. Someone pointed out to me what I was actually doing to people. I, th- I thought it was a way of keeping someone in check while keeping the mood light, when instead it's probably destroying self-esteem. Yeah, and and, I, and I, I mean, Thomas has taught me so much about it, and I believe that my level of sarcasm has gone way down compared to what it used to be, but I don't think you lose it is the trouble. I, I still find that certain situations and necessarily certain people bring it back out. Um, <coughs> certain personality traits inside yourself. Like I'm always looking for an angle ge- generally and it is to have a bit of banter. Like I sit here with you and I'm thinking, what can I get at him next? It's probably not the way to go with your staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, w- again, but look, this is a material that we covered last year. Yeah. That, you know, you probably like using some routines that get you there, that, that make sure that you become sarcastic at some point. So what you need to do is to find that routine and break it before it happens. Because when it starts in your head, you go, here you go, I'm going over here again, and then redirect it. Then suddenly you break it all the time, and it then becomes a habit not to be sarcastic. I think that's true, and I think that one of the reasons I've got it moderately under control is that I know that something's going to bother me if I don't speak up. So I'll then just start now, go to speak up or go direct to the person and talk about it. Other than that, there's just 
some particular people that maybe it's not sarcasm, it's just this constant backwards and forward banter it's that banter, seems to offend other people. The two people involved don't seem to worry. Um, but Until it suits them. That's where we get stuck as right. leaders, right? So one day it'll be fine and the next you know, day it'll be a lawsuit because... Today I've chosen to be and, offended. And it's something and you just know. I mean, I knew the other day I did this and if I wasn't at what I was at and couldn't leave, I probably would have just actually gone, I've got to go back to the office, grab my keys and go because it was the only way I was going to get out. It really was. But I couldn't. I was trapped in a situation and as soon as I saw where I'd gone, I thought, no, I've just moved away, kept quiet. And, and, and I mean, Lisa saw it. She sort of said to me, she, you've got to stop this. It's... It's not healthy, and Jessica spoke up about it in our meeting, and I give her credit for that. That's you know, nice. She wasn't afraid to, and that's what our, you know, we go back to how do you run offices because people aren't afraid to jump in and go, I'm not happy with this. And, you know, we saw it the other day. There was comments made about proper training. You know, it, it's someone, they were happy to say, we need to do this properly, you know. It seems there's a lot of, everyone says they have gloves off conversations or everyone say we're an open book, but when it comes time to the, actually have that conversation, it's a completely different story. And, um, yeah, we all get trained by the same person, so we all get told the same thing, but you, you do see the differences. And I haven't – where was I sitting? No, it wasn't Thailand. It might have been Singapore where I saw you guys actually having that meeting at Singapore where you decided was. En enough was enough. And the turnaround was to the next year. I remember talking to Lou and um, I, I turned around to him at one point and said, you have had a massive turnaround. What was it? And they said, it was Singapore. Um, and it's something I actually admire out of the, the heritage business as well. Whenever you see them having a meeting or whenever there's a conversation, it, it's gloves off and in every sense of the word. And that can only be healthy for the business and it's no probably coincidence that they're the most successful business we have in the network. So I think, yeah, there's, there's a big success leaves clues and that's a massive clue. You need to be able to have, as a leader, you need your managers to be able to tell you you've been a dick and, and accept it and they need to feel that they're free enough to do it as well. Yeah, and I think... I think as a group we do because we, you know, as you say, you, you saw the conversation in, in Singapore and there, there were lots of tears. It was a, a real point, where do we move to from here? So the I energy, think... I remember it because the energy around it, like I think I was only walking past, but I can, know, I can almost picture... We stayed the... in the room. We stayed in the room and just had, had a meeting yeah. because I think we'd all reached that point and everyone's was at a different point, but it was all the same that... We need to really work out a way to move forward and make this business something. And we look back now, uh, I mean, the, the business is absolutely rolling. We, we took another office on since then uh, as well with, with being Foster. And I say, because suddenly I thought, well, instead of everyone having an imaginary list of what to do as a leader or a manager, give them something to do, they now have their own mm. little section that they look after. And, and uh, you look at their strengths I know who's good at one step and who's good at something else and who's good at something else, and we, we make them do that. I think the change was immediate, and it was mostly with Port Macquarie. Yeah, what's the next quarter? Straight away, things change within Because I think the next kickstart after that, correct me if I'm wrong, which is where I spoke to Lou about it, was the Blue Mountains. Yeah. yeah. Was that the next kickstart? Yeah. Because they were sitting behind me, and I had to turn around and say, what the fuck have you done? Because from Singapore to the Blue Mountains is, what, six months? Five months? Yeah, six months. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was immediate Total effect. change. Immediate. But I, but I think, like anything, it goes up and then it comes back down. We had that sort of period where things went back 
and we had to go and revisit where we'd been again. It's to, developing to the habits. It's a habit that you've got because to develop. Because it, it, like anything, it happened for a little while. Like you say, you develop the habit. We did it for a little while and then it stopped. So, But I think... Discipline's overall, a habit and success is a habit. You know, and, and, and when you've come out of a place where you probably haven't been doing it for years, to, to have a good quarter or a good six months is easy. To continue that on for the next five years, that's that's the challenge and that comes down to the habits that you're building and, and remembering. There's a lot of conversations that go on every six months because people keep repeating the same circle. And we have a talk and it's good for the next two hours, but then almost within 24 hours it's back to square one. So the, the, the difference um, is trying to find that consistency. And yeah. I think also, you know, we talk about creating our own children, but sometimes we create our own management team because sometimes my fear of confrontation has actually passed back to some of those people as well. So they also then have that fear of confronting. So, you know, there's times where salespeople haven't done as well as they could and we might have allowed them to go longer than they should have because we had that fear of that confrontation with them. It's the difference Um, between the true gloves-off conversations that the successful businesses are having and the fake ones. So... Everyone every 12 months has a real gloves a off. A real one. Yeah. A real one. Yeah. And then they have pretend real ones for the rest of the year, which is when they fall back down into the hole. And you go, didn't we speak about this 12 months ago? Well, yeah, we did. And everyone's been too scared to talk about it since almost. Yeah. And I've, I've, had, I've had the same thing. Because some of those conversations and some of those the gloves off stuff, they're, they're hard conversations. They're hard and, and depending on your uh, chemical makeup and whatever, the anxiety you feel before it, the anxiety you feel during it and the anxiety you feel after it sometimes is not the most enjoyable experience. You, the, then the results happen and everything's hunky-dory but I guess it's then human nature to not try and relive that uncomfortable experience too often. Some people handle it better than others. But I, I think we've probably 90% there because we realise what didn't happen when we were not real gloves off, when we're fake gloves off versus real gloves off. So I think we've reached that point now and thought everyone can see, do we want to go back to where we were? Mm. Not really. So we, we stay where we are. So I'm sure every three months there's probably a more realer gloves off, but generally on a weekly basis now, what gets said needs to get said. And mm. if someone's, it doesn't matter which one of the four in either is wrong, they're wrong. And then I guess the anxiety around it disappears because you're doing it so often. Because they, You only jump thing. off a plane once every five years. It's always <laughs> going to be scary jumping out of a plane. But yeah. if you're jumping out of a plane every day, all of a sudden... Or every week nothing. at least, yeah. you're doing it. So, oh, Well, mate, thank you very much for sharing. I think that uh, it's quite valuable because you know my style. And I think that, you know, I believe that to be good leaders, you have to be firm on your team. And I think you're quite the opposite of my style where you're... Your leader who is pretty relaxed with the team. And to, to see you succeed at this level where you're running those kind of four joints, I mean, this, that is uh, commendable. It's quite inspiring. It was Thanks for sharing. Thank you. All right. well done, you wanted to say something? No, it's actually, you know, Lou had a, a, did something with the team yesterday where they actually went through the team and they had to say one word that described each person yeah. and then a, a little explanation why. And there were 24 pages of it that I sat through last night and had a bit of a read. And this morning in our sales meeting, we have a, what was your win for the week? And my win for the week is that in Port Macquarie and Foster, I could work with a bunch of people that just have that respect for each other, happy to write down whatever they want to write down and go from there. But, That's quite nice. You know, I noticed when I read mine, 
Tough. Lots of four-letter words. <laughs> Tough. Oh, one person wrote that, but they crossed it out after. But um, you know, but it, it, it was it was tough, fair, generous, horrible shirt. But the reason it came down to in the end is that everyone said, "Do anything for you," you know. So I think they realise, and I've always said, you know, even from a property management point of view, we're tough, but we're fair. You know, and I think that's, that's nice. the team can see that. So it's sort of it, it pays off, you know, looking after them and they're a great bunch of people. That means there's a lot of long service leave coming up. We've already got a couple um, who've passed the ten year mark and we've got more coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your style could be so much better, Cam. Every three weeks you get someone new. Ten days, um, mate. Oh, ten ten days. days long service oh. leave with us, brother. <laughs> I might have to And the leave style, is long. You know? <laughs> Oh, well, that's very really good, man. Let's uh, tackle the next subject.